Hi, I'm Andalisi. And I'm Chef James Regato. And this is Essential Cooking. In episode one, we're going to talk about amping up the flavors in your home cooking and also spicing things up a little bit. So I thought in this episode we would talk about people hating their own cooking. I've never heard so many people say that to me until this year. Since more people are at home, and for obvious reasons, they have to cook for themselves and they're just like, I am, I can't wait to get to a restaurant because I hate my own cooking so much. And I thought it's not that difficult to make you love what you're doing in the kitchen. What are some basic things that people should have in their pantry or in the refrigerator that should be like these go-to staples of things that really do create flavor and will make you love your cooking? Well, I think the average home cook hates their own cooking because they're limited in how many dishes they actually pull out. I mean, you think about, you know, maybe you're eating at home two, three times a week on an average week. Well, you know, we've been forced the last few months to breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home, maybe a little bit of takeout, but you basically, you know, tripled or quadrupled the amount of dishes you have to make in one week. So people ran out of ideas quickly. I think in the Midwest, one of my biggest complaints about um, home pantries or home cooks is our lack of spice. You know, and when you think about what's on the other side of spicy food. It's some of the most delicious cultures of food in the entire world. You know, most, most cultures of food explore spice. However, Midwestern America, I mean, we are terrified of it. You know, we find horseradish to be too spicy. So I think to really up your game at home, you need to up your spice tolerance. And not just, you know, eating habaneros, but mustards, horseradish, ginger, garlic, really getting that, that flavor profile of spice of aromatic heat of of you know that the kind of uh, the nasal cavity the aroma of heat and not just like again you don't need to just add jalapenos to something but you know taking garlic taking ginger taking horseradish root and incorporating them into into your your dishes are going to really bring so much flavor and make it exciting spice is exciting that's really what i think the average home cook forgets it's like yes it makes your tongue tingle yes it maybe gives you like you know a little bit of you know that that, that heat in your chest but you really do get used to it. This, the first time I ever ate, really ate spicy food, yes, it, it blew my mind. I was sweating. It hurt the next day. I was like, you know, I was, I was taken, I was, I was like taken over by it. But you really, really get used to it, and you can, you can, you can build a tolerance to it. When you go to Southeast Asia and you go to a country like Vietnam, where spice isn't as prevalent as it is in, say, Thailand, you still are around so many different levels of flavor, whether it's fish sauce or something that's fermented or chilies or, you know, that pho broth, which is, you know, it's aromatic bone broth, essentially, that's enhanced with so many aromatics from, from star anise to lemongrass to ginger to chilies. And you end up seeing how complex the world of spice is in flavor. You can't get big flavors without spice, you know, and, and I think when you get sick of your own home cooking, you're missing that element of it. So keeping ginger in your refrigerator, you know, keeping a pack of curry in your you know, cupboard, whether it's or, or garam masala or, you know, tandoori spice or smoked paprika, just start introducing spices, whether it's chilies or actual hard spices into your food. You're going to notice a big difference. So let's talk about a flavor profile. So if you were going to tell something, let's, and I hate to say this to a world-class chef, but okay, there is a naked chicken breast right there and yeah. that's what you're cooking for dinner. Right. And you have, you've, you've done everything you can think of and now you hate your own cooking. Yeah. What is the flavor profile to transform that into something really delicious? You know, chicken breast is like an absolute <laughs> blank canvas, but without flavor, a chicken breast really tastes like nothing. I mean, we're talking about 
nothing. If you just put that chicken breast in the oven and ate it, it's a pretty benign, you know, product. So to me, chicken is like absolutely endless possibilities. Me, I would go with jerk. I think jerk is one of my favorite spice profiles in the whole cabinet of cooking. Obviously, it's from Jamaica, the Caribbean, and they have a lot of allspice trees down there. So the allspice is the berry we know, and then they also have the scotch bonnet peppers. So allspice berry, scotch bonnet peppers, there's cinnamon, there's clove, there's ginger, there's citrus. Usually they use tamarind or some kind of a sour agent, a little bit of vinegar. A lot of Americanized recipes add soy sauce to it, a lot of fresh thyme, a lot of the things that are found on the island. And then you obviously take chicken, you marinate it, or you do it sometimes a dry spice version of it, and then cook it over the allspice wood, which is a very green, heavily smoky wood. So that, to me, chicken is the least important part of that conversation, right? So the chicken breast is, like I said, it's kind of benign. It's the protein. It's kind of the, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the workhorse of the meal. It's the, it's the nutritional density. But the jerk, the spice is what makes it so exciting to eat. Now, I could eat jerk chicken every single day. I never get sick of it. Now, if you go to you know North Africa or parts of you know, India, you're going to see things like harissas or you're going to see tandoori. And same thing, it's a heavy spice rub of the local ingredients put on this bird and then cooked either in an oven or over, over flame. But you see the common thread. It's that it's heavily spiced food from ingredients that are grown around you to transform a bird or another animal into something magical, usually with wood or high heat or smoke to kind of bring that extra element through. So yeah, go home and rub your chicken down with a harissa spice and grill it over charcoal. Well, now you have something incredible versus salt and pepper baking it in the oven. And also, if you're going to take a chicken breast, just a flat out, just a flat like chicken breast, literally flatten it. I would pound it out to make it all one thickness because a lot of times chicken gets dry and mealy because you're trying to cook that thick part as long as you're cooking the, the thinner, the tail part. So having a tool like a mallet around to pound out your chicken into one consistent um, thickness, they'll also grill easier. Now with jerk, I probably would use a whole bird and butterfly it. We don't need to get into that. But a little bit of basic cooking skill, like pounding a chicken scallopini, and then using a nice spice rub and cooking it over charcoal, well, now you have something that you're probably not going to get sick of as fast. Okay, so the jerk sounds pretty foolproof and something you'd probably never get tired of, but... Let's say the next week comes along, you got that same chicken breast again, because that's going to happen because right. you probably froze a couple right. of them. Let's talk about another pro- flavor profile that's completely different than the jerk, but is equally as flavorful. Well, let's spin around the globe, right? Let's go to like, again, Southeast Asia. Let's talk about curry. Now, curry, you find in a lot of different cultures, basically as a spice blend, usually transformed into a stew. But green curry is one of my favorite, you know, sauces, if you will, to, to really, to put it lightly. Now, it's basically a lot of green things, right? It's, let's say it's jalapenos or serranos, it's cilantro, it's scallion, and then it's ginger and garlic and fish sauce and lime and mint. And what we do at the restaurants, we grind it. I put it through a meat grinder. I grind all these galango root, um, lemongrass, and we, we garlic, we physically put it through a meat grinder, and then we um, add lime and fish sauce. So you have all these aromatic you know, flavor components like the like the galango, which is similar to ginger, but a little bit more uh, fibrous and super um, floral. And then you have the fresh herbs, and then you have the hot chilies, and then you have the fish sauce, and then you have the lime. Now, green curry is a paste slash sauce that is just, you can do anything to it. You could like put a, you could cook a shoe in it and it would be delicious. <laughs> but this, I would, probably, I would probably take the chicken breast, cut it raw into thin strips, take my curry sauce, a little bit of coconut milk, and I would, 
probably poach the chicken in it gently, and I would maybe cook it, put it over some jasmine rice, top it with some, uh, you know, again some more fresh herbs. You could add, you know, if you want to do potatoes, you know, even if you want, to, if you if you're a vegetarian or you know pescatarian, you could do shellfish like clams or, or mussels. But if you wanted to just use that that chicken breast again, yeah, I'd probably cook it in that green curry. And it's the same idea as the jerk, whereas we're taking again ingredients that are grown in that area and then enhancing a, a, a protein with it, but there's so much flavor, and that can be consumed the next day. You can make a fried rice with it. Sometimes we'll take the, the chicken, and we'll grind it raw, and we'll mix it with green curry, and then we'll roll it in Swiss chard leaves, and we'll put that on our flat top, and we'll kind of do like these little rolled freeform sausages. So like that's just chicken and herbs and Swiss chard, right? A lot of people have that in easy access, but when you think about it, like, okay, we're grinding it, we're making a chicken green curry sausage, rolling it in Swiss chard and grilling it on a flat top, you know, or it can be, it can be easily be done on a charcoal grill too. Now you're talking about something that's transformative, you know, and that's, and that's really why we need to study other cultures of food. And a lot of restaurants right now, you know, um, we're navigating what the new world is with, with you know, cultural appropriation. And I don't want to have anybody going out there and, and trying to, like, you know, rob other cultures and just, you know, take them and make them worse. But you study what makes other cultures so great. There's thousands of years of history in that food. Whereas America, you know, we have a couple hundred years. And, you know, we have enough meat and potatoes in the Midwest to last us a lifetime. <laughs> Let's start looking outside of our borders, understanding other cultures, and trying to enhance our home pantries based on the world of food and not just what we grew up. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap donate in our mobile app. Abating. Let's talk about storing spices because People buy them and then they sit there and it's like, well, how long is this yeah. going to last? And uh, so talk a little bit about the best way to store them, when we should start tossing those things. I like to buy spices in whole seed form if you can. And then um, I think they last longer. And then you can also kind of toast them and spice them to order, if you will, or as you need them. And I would buy as small of a batch as you can. You know, ask, go to a market where they scoop them for you, you know, on the spot and try to get a, as small of a portion as possible. I think certain things like peppercorn last a pretty long time, whereas dried herbs, I mean, you really don't last very long. I would actually recommend buying a dehydrator, which is about $100 on Amazon, and then buy fresh oregano and dry it yourself. For one, it'll make your kitchen smell amazing. And, you, can, you know, you can use half of it fresh, use the other half, dry it out. Once you dry a, a half bunch of oregano, it's going to probably make a, a tablespoon. And then use it. So... I don't recommend buying these large vessels of dried parsley and then letting it sit in your cabinet for two years. That's ridiculous. But the harder, more durable spices in whole form can last a lot longer than some of the, you know, like dried ground, you know, um, ginger. I mean, that's not something that's going to have a lot, whole, whole lot of flavor. So let's get back to the heat a little bit. If somebody's introducing more spice and more heat into their diet and they're not used to it, sugar helps. Oh, yeah. Right. Sugar totally helps. If you think about, you know, when you go get Thai food carry out, the pad Thai, that's essentially you're eating, uh, you know, sugar, tamarind paste, a little bit of shrimp, uh, dried shrimp, you know, paste or powder and, uh, you know, a little bit of heat, a little bit of chilies. That's really, you know, what makes Thai food so delicious is the relationship with heat and sugar. And I say Thai food isn't like our Thai carry out that we get around, you know, around America. 
Uh, if you go to Thailand, there's vast cuisine from from city to city, let alone regions. But around America, our Thai carry out, you kind of see the chunk and noodle, the pad Thai, the gengai, the kind of the, the the staples. And it's really a, a great relationship between palm sugar, fish sauce, and chilies. And yeah, if you if you're trying to introduce some heat into your food, think about a little bit of sugar or whether it's honey or agave. Just try, try to balance it out a little bit. Even if you make a spicy salsa, like a salsa verde, like a Mexican style jalapeno and tomatillo salsa, a little pinch of sugar will help soften that blow. And or even pair it with something sweet. You know, there's a reason why Thai food goes so great with Riesling, or you know why why you want to add a little bit of lime to your beer as you're you know eating spicy tacos. Like you know that acid, that sweet that sour, like from tamarind, like it really helps to balance out the heat. Spice is great, but capsaicin specifically, which is the, the you know, the, the, the component that makes chilies hot, that is not necessarily balanced, right? It's one note. It's often like, think of it like the, the bass guitar, right? Nobody just listens to an album of just bass guitar. You want to hear a little bit of drums and rhythm guitar with it, add vocals, and now you have a complete band. And that's what you want your dish to be. You want it to be a harmonious band, not an unbalanced collection of instruments. Okay, so somebody is going to, they have a, an empty uh, cabinet and they're going to put the spices in there. Yeah. And if you were going to tell them, these are the things you should have sitting in there uh, to spice up your life and not get bored with your food. And like, these are the good ones to have yeah. at the ready when you're going to cook. So obviously, kosher salt, make sure you have the right kind of salt, that iodized salt is not what you want to be sprinkling on your food. And you don't need to get the fancy salt because the fancy salt is just a, I don't want to say it's a waste of money, but it's a, it's a finishing salt. So it's meant for sprinkling a little bit on top of something. If you dissolve your salt, it's pretty much all the same. It's all the same, you know, components. Trace minerals can be found in the fancier stuff, but kosher salt is all you need. A nice whole black peppercorn, whether a pepper grinder or a little coffee grinder that you grind it, you know, to order with, but a nice whole black peppercorn, smoked paprika, dried ground turmeric, a nice curry spice. I prefer to go to the local Chaldean market that sells their own blended curry. You can buy like the the Indian Madras curry in a jar. It's nothing nothing's wrong with it. It's just not as flavorful. Pickling spice is a good one to have. Pickling spice is great for making um, brines or if you are going to actually pickle some vegetables. Um, Would you use it on your food too? You know, pickling spice is a blend of basically bay leaf, allspice, clove, mustard mm -hmm. seed. So. You, if you, you don't just put it on food because it, you have to pick out a lot of it. It's meant to it's meant to enhance a liquid. So you basically would make a brine and then strain it out. Or when you do pickles, you probably would strain that liquid before pouring it over the actual chopped vegetables. So pickling spice is meant to be uh, and it enhances liquids very quickly. I like to make my own dried garlic and onions in the dehydrator. It will overpower your kitchen. It's a very aromatic scent, but it's delicious. Get the goggles. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? <laughs> but I mean, I love it. I personally love it. But like when you make your own dehydrated garlic and onion and then powder it, you know, basically in a, in a spice grinder or in a Vitamix, you can easily make your own dried garlic and dried onion powder. And then the, the herbs too. So I mean, when, you know, when you talk about filling up your herb cabinet, I'm with you, but like you really should get a dehydrator. It's a hundred bucks on Amazon and you can make... Onion powder, garlic powder. I make tomato skin powder, which I kind of use like paprika. So as you're cooking tomato sauce, you know, if you're going to like make marinara, you basically blanch your tomatoes, slip the skins off, dry those skins out, you make a tomato powder. It really tastes like a tomato paprika. So something like that, put it in your cupboard, it's great. You got too many dried chilies or too many chilies in your garden, too many jalapenos or serranos or bird chilies in your garden. You know, when the pepper plant grows, you have too many. So eat a third of them fresh and then dehydrate the rest and then, Spice grind them. Now, again, you're going to get a very peppery air in your kitchen. So maybe do it in your garage. Maybe have a dehydrator out in your garage. 
I would definitely recommend taking your seasonal ingredients and dehydrating them and making powders out of them over going to the store and buying them. Even buy fresh oregano or buy fresh parsley and make your own dried you know, herbs. But a good curry powder, turmeric, smoked paprika, salt, whole peppercorn, pickling spice, those are kind of like the desert island spices for me. And obviously, if you want, really want to geek out, I mean, you can get into stuff like, you know, I like to use a little bit of xanthan gum sometimes to stabilize things that, uh, that don't want to bind. Like if we make a bone marrow jus, I'll roast bone marrow, and then I'll stick blend it into, you know, a little bit of like a broth or something. And those are two slippery substances that don't want to bind together. A little bit of xanthan gum, and they emulsify. So that's like a little bit of a chef trick. So like, do you need to have xanthan gum in your cabinet? Probably not. But the more you geek out, the more you can expand your cabinet and the more you start cooking, you can start reaching for things. Yeah, I think allspice is very important, but if you're not using it, well, then it's just taking up space. But if you are going to start making your own jerk spice, allspice, cinnamon, clove, star anise are all really valuable. And then those translate over to baking as well. Cardamom is fantastic in desserts. You could take a little bit of you know heavy cream and steep some cardamom into it and make a panna cotta, and it's delicious. So... Caraway, I mean, oh my gosh, I love caraway. You know, if you make a harissa, you need tons of caraway. So, but these are things that I don't know if the average home cook's going to buy caraway and start using it everywhere. Cumin, coriander, those are those are obvious, uh, you know, obvious ones as well. But I think, you know, to me, smoked paprika, turmeric, curry powder, salt, pepper, those are like the really easy ones to get satisfaction immediately. Okay, there you have it. Now you know what to put in your cupboard. Now you know how to spice up your life a little bit. And we hope you like your own cooking just a little bit more. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of Essential Cooking. We would like to thank Lamarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Essential Cooking's executive producer is Joan Isabella. Associate producers Lisa Brancato and David Lyons. Production provided by Studios on the Pond and Rowan Nemisto. Original music provided by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of Detroit Public Radio Station WDET. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and join us as we explore the world of food and how to cook it right here on Essential Cooking.